We are moving forward. This is Walk This Way. This is actually week 12 in this series where we've been going through Acts, and we've been talking about how do we walk as a Christian? How do we, if we want to replicate the early church, see the power, see the miracles, see the transformation, see people come into faith, like what are they doing to show us that? Like how are they living? Uh, so, so we can look at them, and we can realize like, okay, I'm in the same era with Jesus. He's ascended. The church has started. I'm in the church. I'm a believer. I'm filled with the Spirit like the people in Acts. Uh, and so how do I live? How am I supposed to walk and live this out? And, uh, and so we're going to talk today about the death of Stephen. And um, when I started praying about preaching on Acts, this was the one story that came to my mind that um, I didn't know anything about it. I never really studied it, but just the Lord uh, just put this story on my heart. I'm very excited about it. I'm not going to be able to cover, you know, all the things that are in there. It's just amazing. Um, but we're going we're gonna to go for a piece of it today. All right. Um, just so you know, whenever I talk about someone in the church, I always ask permission. Like whenever I did Elizabeth and Jeremy about, like, counseling them, I ask permission, people. So if you come to me and you talk to me and you, you share stuff with me, which you do, just know I'm not going to share that unless I ask you, okay? And so I want to talk, uh, just kind of launch this talk uh, with a perspective, something that God did with me as I was uh, walking with the Franklins through the death of Josh's father last week, and I asked permission. And uh, Fred, they talked about Fred Franklin. If you knew him, one of the things you knew is he sat just over in that section, uh, and he was always really early, like an hour no joke. He would come an hour early, and he would just kind of sit there, and the worship team, and he would sit there, and he'd smile. He was so just the nicest guy, the most generous guy. Well, I went to the funeral, and, um, and there was all these people from JEA, because that's where he worked, and they started sharing stories about him getting to work an hour early as well. Josh was like, yeah, he woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was like, yeah, he's got to be there at 5. No, he's like 7.30 is whenever his like day started. And, uh, and then we started hearing about other, like, he showed up everywhere early. Everywhere. Like, again, not like five minutes early, but like, did I get this time wrong early? Because you're here so early, right? And, uh, but, but that's just who he was. We don't, I don't know how he was or why he did that. But, um, but he was sharing this. And um, the most interesting thing happened. Whenever we were down front talking to to Josh and Holly, um, it was an open casket, and uh, so I wanted to go over there. He was in the military, and I just wanted to see kind of how, uh, just go over there, you know, and um, I did pray a resurrection prayer, because you never know, like that can happen, so I'm like, here we go, and, uh, and, and nothing happened that I could see, but the Lord spoke to me. He said something to me that I thought, that's heresy, Lord, and um, am I hearing you right, but he said to me, he said, He said, Fred, you're too early. He said, you've come too early. And uh, I thought about that because I know that Scripture says that he he came exactly the time the Father knew that he was going to come. And I just started praying about that. And, uh, And I just felt like the Lord said to me, he goes, everyone who comes to me comes too early. Because we were created as eternal beings. We are created to have life forever on this earth with the Father, with no sin and no brokenness, and, and, and eternity with him forever. And he just reminded me of that reality. 
And as we look at Acts, as you look at the life of Stephen today, you're going to see something powerful and something amazing about how he lived, uh, knowing that um, he didn't fear death because he knew that there was something in him that was greater than that. And, you know, and uh, it says this. It says um, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. Every one of us, everyone who's created in our heart, in the core of who we are, there is a seed that he has placed there that reminds us of the divine, reminds us of the kingdom, reminds us of how things should be with the desire from the Father that that's what we would live out of, that that's what we would pursue, that, that this eternity that's, that's living in us would grow, the seed would grow, and, and, and this, would ident- this would be our identity. Like, I'm eternity with Jesus. Like, this is who I really am. This is what I'm built for, is I'm built for heaven. I'm built for life to the full. And when I come into that, and when I come into that, there is a, there's a sense of being early, because there never should have been a time that I had to come in at all. And so, we live as Broken people with a seed of eternity in us bumping into the kingdom of the world. You know, Holly and Josh said, they both said this. They said, there's something wrong about this. There's something that doesn't sit well with me. I feel unsettled. I can't put a finger on it. But there's something that's just off. And that is the world and the brokenness of the world and and what sin has done to the world and the separation from God the Father and the garden that has come down through the ages and is butting up against that seed of eternity that is in our heart. And so when we bump up against pain and suffering and death, when we bump up in those things, we go, this isn't right. Or we get angry when we see people's lives that are broken and hurting. That anger is coming from that seed that he has planted in us. The spirit that's living in us, that's a reflection of the Father and his identity being created in his image, that's coming out and saying, yeah, this is wrong. This is not how it should be. The book of Acts, as we've looked at it, and we've been looking at it for 12 weeks, talks about that seed and what it looks like for that seed, to cultivate that seed to grow, so that we can become who God's created us to be, that we can live with a kingdom mindset, that we can live out of eternity that's in our heart, not what we see in the world, not finding our value in the world. And I think Stephen, I was, and I, again, I'm an exaggerator, right? Because I, I just exaggerate to like make my point, make people like me, convince people to give, those kinds of things. So I exaggerate, I just do. I just do. And, um, but I, I, I do, I, I believe this. I think Peter, or Stephen, gives us the best, best example of what it looks like to live out of that eternal seed. That he, living a life empowered by the Spirit, shows us this is what life to the full looks like. This is how you should live. Look at my life. Look at how I lived. Look at how I died. And, and, and embrace that, live out of that, and you, you will come into eternity with Jesus. You will experience life to the full. You will experience who you were created to be. And, and I think that in some ways that he is a better example to us than Jesus. 
I know, I know you're like, what the, oh my goodness, I'm out of here. This is the last time I'm visiting this church. But think about it. Think about it. Whenever we think of Jesus, we're like, well, I'm not Jesus. He was God. I can't do what he does, right? And so we kind of bail. We check out thinking that, believing that lie, that he hasn't given me authority. He hasn't given me power. I can't do this. I can't do that. And so we pull back. We check out. But when we look at Stephen, we can't do that. We can't do that. Because Stephen wasn't one of the apostles. He was one of the 5,000. He was one of the ones that became believers after Jesus ascended and the church had started. The same period that we're in now. He was a normal guy, just like us. He was a normal person that came into the kingdom, was filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and lived a life reflecting the kingdom of God. Died reflecting the kingdom of God. He's, I think he's our best example. I think it's why... God revealed that, or he put him on my heart. And so we're going to talk about his, and, and, and why that is, and him today. There's incredible parallels between him and Jesus, and we're going to look at those. So the backdrop, before we get into scripture, uh, Stephen does the longest, one of the longest discourses uh, in scripture, definitely in the New Testament. Um, and he's talking to these Pharisees and religious rulers, basically the same group that Jesus was talking to before um, before he was crucified, Pharisees and religious rulers. And there's, kind of, there's this long uh, monologue that he says against them, and it makes them angry. And he's trying, there's basically three points that he's driving home. We're not going to read all that, but there's three points that he's driving home. And he said, there is, one of them is, there is progress and change in God's program. That the kingdom of God is moving forward, there's progress, there's change, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way you experience God, you see God, and the way that it has been. The blessings of God are not limited to the land of Israel and the temple, temple area. Again, this made them mad, right? Because they're like the temple guys. They're in, in charge of the temple. And so he said that. He said, you know, and again, we see that in this passage, the, the disciples going out after this, being spread out. Israel is in its three. Israel and its past always evidenced the pattern of opposition to God's plan. He's basically telling, he's looking at these religious rulers and saying, you, like the nation of Israel, crushed God's plan. You've always crushed God's plan, and, and, and he kind of confronts them on that. Okay, so those are the three things. That just happened, and now we read this. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. 
Holy Spirit, come, open our hearts and our minds to understand your word and your truth that we would live differently. There are some amazing, this is why I think, this is why I think that Peter is the best example. Not only did he, you know, was, was like us and, and, and showed us that we could do the things that Jesus did, but um, his death, we see in his death, parallels, unlike anything we see in the rest of Scripture, between what happened, the things that happened in his death, and the same things that happened in Jesus' death. Okay? And, and I think because of that, there's a significance of what we need to pay attention to, not only in how he walked and how he lived and the things that he did, but also in how he died. I think there's an example for us in how he died and how we are called to die as well. And so we see this, and I'm going to answer the first question, is why they kill him? He said all these things, confronting them with those three areas. They were mad at him, but that's not what caused them to kill him. What caused them to kill him was blasphemy. It says this, and he said in verse 56, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. Now, this is Mark. This is Mark 14. This is Jesus. But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of power and coming with clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments. What further witnesses do we need? We have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And like Steve, well, I'm going to keep going, okay? And so, what they're specifically talking about, the Son of Man sitting, when they start talking about the Son of Man, that's like no man's land, right? Because they're talking about Messiah words. They're saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Because Son of Man in the Old Testament says, the Son of Man, and Jesus said, the Son of Man basically is going to sit at the right hand of the Father. And in the Old Testament, and we're going to read this in a second, that means that you're the Messiah. And then we see Stephen reflecting the same things. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. And this enraged them. It says this, the, the, the Greek for this. It's like they shut their hands over their ears, and they're like, fishy-foo, fishy-foo, fishy-foo. Like they were like, I'm not going to listen to this. this is, that's how angry they were. That's how mad they were because they were, I mean, it was just an offense to them, a massive offense to them. And it came from the prophecy in Daniel, Daniel 7, 13, and 14. I saw the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall never be destroyed. And then Psalm 110 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And so basically they're saying, Jesus has come, you killed him, he rose, and he has dominion now. He is the king now. He is over you now. Your temple no longer is going to be the, the, the place of worship. That he lives in us. He has given us dominion. He has filled us with the spirit. We have his power now. So these words, you can see why they would like tick them off big time. 
right? Because he, they're, they're saying things that are just so big that Jesus is the Messiah. And so they, they take him out and they kill him. And so here are the parallels I'm going to show you. This will freak you out. This freaked me out, right? I read this and I'm like, what? How did I never see this? Well, here you go. Jesus says he's the son of man. Same with Stephen, right? Sitting and standing. We're going to look at that later. They grab Jesus and take him outside the city to kill him. They grab Stephen and they take him outside the city to kill him. They remove his clothes. Stephen, they remove his clothes. And then it says, as Stephen was dying and they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As Jesus was dying in Luke 23, then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. And having said his last breath, and that word last breath means died. As he died is when he said that. Okay, and then the fifth thing, last thing Stephen said, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Jesus said in Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments. And then after the death of Jesus and Stephen, this happens. Just before he ascended uh, and told, um, kind of did the Great Commission or whatever, his death and resurrection, before he ascended, Jesus says this in the first chapter of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in, Jeru- in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What happens when Stephen falls asleep? It says that they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And where did they go? Jerusalem. And so this is the fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen. That what we are called to, this is the first time it happens when Stephen is killed. This is the inauguration of the ministry of the church. And Jesus is saying, look, what I said, it's come true. It's come true. My believers, my followers, and their obedience are, 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 are doing what I began, completing what I started, not completing the work of the cross. He did it all, right? But he sends them into the world to build his kingdom, to live out of that eternity, to find life in that eternity, and their love for him and their obedience for him, to extend his kingdom, to extend the eternity that was in them into the world, to bring light where there's darkness, healing where there's brokenness. Again, Stephen shows us what it looks like. We've been looking at that. It says that he was filled, with the, uh, he was filled with, the, with the fullness of the Spirit. He moved in powers. He had miracle and healing. He had mir- did miracles and healing. He cared for the poor. He had great wisdom. He was an evangelist, communicated to his accusers in a way that they could understand. He met his death with grace for those who were willing, uh, who's, those who were killing him. And he was asking for them to be forgiven. With his death, when he went to sleep, the gospel went to the ends of the earth, and then he went home to eternity fulfilled. So, okay, so we, like we hear that, right? We're like, okay, well, how, how does that happen? Like, like what's my motivation? How, you know, what, where, where, where's this coming from? Like, why would, how would Stephen do this? And um, I have two endings I wrote for this talk. Okay, and um, and the first one is very, very good, and is all through, all through, scripture. 
And, um, but, but, and the second one, you, you don't read in any of the commentaries. And, and that's the one I'm going to give you, is the second one. Because I, I think it's true, and I think it's, it, it is the gospel, and it is real, and, it, and, it, and it's a motivation greater than my first one, which was good. Which was good. But it's about coming to the Father, being empowered by the Father for this to happen. And I tell you that every week. And so I was like, Lord, give me a different ending this week. And he did. And uh, it comes out of, what's the one discrepancy that jumps out at you whenever you look at this passage? Talking about the Son of Man. What's going on there? In one passage, and in the rest of Scripture, he's what? Sitting at the right hand of the Father. In this story, what's going on? Homeboy is standing, Jesus, homeboy is standing up. Why is that? What's going on there? And I started praying about that. I was like, Lord, what's going on there? You're standing? Awkward, right? I mean, like, and I, I started praying about that, saying, I think the answer to my question, I think the ending to this talk and the ending to the story, what motivates us, why should we do this, is answering this question. You know, a few uh, months ago, I, talk, I talked about the kingdom of God and um, Whenever a king conquered a nation, they would, um, like one ten says, he says, I'll make the world your footstool. What would happen is when a king would conquer the nation, it says that he would come and sit on his throne, and the footstool that he put his feet on would have the nations of who he conquered on it, okay? And these kings would, and so what would happen is when the work was done, when the war was over, the king would come with his weapons, and he would sit in this chair Put his feet up, demonstrating that I have dominion, I have rule, I am the king of these countries, and you will obey and follow me. That it's done, okay? And so we taught about that, and we taught about what that looks like and where it comes from, and this idea that Jesus, when it, when it says that in 110, that Jesus has come into his kingdom, and that he invites us into that to rest with him because the battle is over, and he is one. He has crushed Satan, that he has dominion and rule over everything. Okay, and so we talked about that, and that sounds amazing, right? And I mean, that's pretty cool that Jesus has done that under the whole earth. It's his footstool that, you know, he's conquered everything. Everything is below and beneath him. And so, what does it mean? So, just think about that. So, what does it mean that he's standing? First, and this is the popular this is the popular thing. Again, this is something else that I read that I was like, oh, that's obvious. Well, Jesus is standing. Jesus is standing to invite and welcome Stephen into the kingdom. Okay? Like, whenever you close your eyes and you think about going to heaven and meeting Jesus, how does he meet you? Standing. I bet he's standing. Right? Because you come to the kingdom, he's just kind of chilling. Like, that's not very welcoming, is it? No, it's not. Don't do that to a guest. Don't do that. You stand, you greet them when someone walks in the room, you stand and greet Well, same thing with Jesus, right? And lots of commentators say that, okay? And that's a popular one. But the second one has something to do with this idea of a king sitting on his throne, Jesus reclining, sitting back on his throne. And us getting a picture of it is finished, Jesus has conquered the battle, he is reclining, he is with the Father, he has dominion over everything, he is given us his authority and all that, okay? And so, I think that Jesus stands because he looks down on Stephen 
and says, he's in a battle, and he is not going to be in a battle alone. I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out of my Sabbath, of my rest, and I am going to intercede for him and with him. That This idea, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Stephen is embodying this, that Christ is in him. He is the hope of glory. And Jesus rises with his weapons to do battle against the enemy, to strengthen Stephen, to, to come alongside of him. Th- that's the kind of Messiah. That's the Savior. That's the king I need, right? I need to know, okay, welcome me when you welcome me. But yo, I need you now. I need a king that will rise, that will support me, that will encourage me. I need a king that says, you know what? Yes, you're in a battle, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never put you in a situation that you cannot get out of. And victory is yours. You already have it. And so Jesus stands, comes, looks at Stephen and and sees this amazing thing happening for the first time. Stephen dying for his people, for Jesus' people. Stephen dying the first martyr for the message that Jesus began. And I think Jesus stands not only to do battle, but he's like, whoa, look at my boy down there. Yo, 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 Satan, what are you going to do now? Right? And he is excited and he's proud whenever we engage in battle. And so he stands. You know, when I think of the father, what is the father doing in that situation? I mean, what do I do as a father whenever I see my son? Like things happening that he desired to happen. What is the father as he sees Jesus? Remember, he's right next to him. As he sees his son stand, proud, excited, engaging, fired up. You know, he, he would have been so excited for him. He would have been like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Son, look, they're doing what you said, what you died for them to do, what you commanded them to do. Look, Stephen is the first one. He is modeling what you've always desired. I mean, that would have been an eternal moment, a powerful moment. Now, again, that's, that's how I would respond as a father. I don't know what they did up there. You know, I mean, they were, it's something probably greater than that. Something, you know, like you're going to get up there and know one day, and you're going to be like, what the what? I never, what? That's incredible. I love how the father loves Jesus. Every time you suffer, every time you sacrifice, every time you take on the enemy, Jesus rises from his throne, and he stands with you, And he engages the enemy through the power of the Spirit in you. He stands and he sees you and he is so proud. He is so proud. He is a part of him that is in wonder with you. When he sees you, obey him out of the love you have for him. He stands and he is just like, what? What? Oh, man. I love that. I love that. I love him. I love her. So, man, one of the things I thought, wonder if the father said to Jesus in that moment, whenever this is happening, you know, Jesus, you died so Stephen can sleep. You died, Jesus, because there's no death anymore. And Stephen just falls asleep, wakes up into eternity with Jesus forever. You know, I thought, man, the battle cry that, that we go with into war when we engage the enemy. Jesus is next to us, and he's like, till the death. And we're like, till the sleep, right? 
Because we will not suffer death in battle. He has, so we won't. What an assurance we have. I think that that's, I think that's the motivation for Stephen. I think that's our motivation, is that we're not alone. That we can do the things that Stephen did because we're filled with the same spirit, empowered by him. And uh, if we want to walk the way that he walked, find the life that he had, die like he died, we have to really believe and really trust that Jesus is with us, that Jesus is standing, that Jesus is praising, Jesus is excited, is joyful whenever he sees us do that. And he is. He is. So if we want to walk like Stephen walked, we have to be filled with the power of the Spirit, and we have to believe that Jesus is with us. Let's stand.